This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Wednesday, June 9th. This is episode 336. I'm Dan Ellis, joined via remote connection by two awesome co-hosts. That's Mr. Grin. Yeah, hello, hello. And Mr. Duffy. Yes, sir. Ooh-wee! That's a whole lot of fun. Uh, what have you guys What have you guys been doing over the last week? I've been just making stuff now. Yeah? Making yeah, what? Uh, I got a lightning-creating machine oh yeah that shit is fucking cool man i saw what you uh, did with that game that, yeah that looks badass yeah so it's a it's what's it called it's called a lichtenberg machine ah so i bought a real one uh-huh. and i only found one guy on the entire fucking internet that sells one that he has actually had osha sign off on oh wow, oh, wow. <laughs> otherwise it's literally people selling you a microwave transformer or a transformer for lights with a mm. couple of bare wires to fucking hook to something. Uh huh. Yeah, dangerous. You'll yeah. fucking kill yourself with one of those. Mm hmm. Uh, but yeah, I've been having fun with that. So, uh, making stuff. Yeah. Cool. Give Mike, give Mike itself an excuse to burn shit. Cute. It's just fucking hot out. Yeah. Well, and that just, it makes such a cool effect. Like, it does. It looks like, lightning hit like your lightning hit your woodwork it, it just looks yeah. really fucking cool yeah mm-hmm. so doing that and then messing around with a uh, epoxy putty to actually put into the the grooves of it and everything so having having some fun with it mm-hmm. very cool very cool and you mr grin oh just same old shit different week um i did get to watch the first episode of loki today oh um, sad. Oh my gosh. So, okay. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, yeah, I will say I might that watch it was, tonight. I will say that it was awesome. I'll also say that as somebody who studied a lot about young men who get into extremist movements, there is a dialogue that takes place between Owen Wilson's character and Tom Hiddleston's character that was like beat for beat the kind of discussion that you see a therapist having with a young extremist and it was fantastic (laughs) like it was one of the best renditions of like no but why are you doing this that i have (laughs) ever seen and it like hits all the beats it's fantastic like yeah it was it was really cool. It might it might as well have been Christian Picciolini talking to a young Nazi. Like it was it was pretty good. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. Uh I'll look forward to doing so eventually, but I have I have not yet. Um and we talked last week about the predicament I found myself in at a at a family gathering. <laughs> yeah, um, and it just got funnier. <laughs> <laughs> And so, so after we talked on the show, I think it was the next day, 
or maybe that night. Um, I think it was that night. Was it? It might have been that night. That, <laughs> yeah, the the fucking clown <laughs> who who was making the the gay bashing and trans bashing comments at our little family gathering um, apparently was alerted to my post by a distant ish relative who had seen my post and then is is good friends with this piece of garbage and just alerted him that, you know, oh, yeah, you should go and check this out. Or is this, oh, maybe that's, so the way it was presented to me was that this person contacted the homophobe and said, oh, well, so, you know, apparently they had a conversation during which this Tyler turd, you know, <laughs> made mention of having this, this disagreement, this, this little argument with me <laughs> and the distant family member said, Oh, well that must've been what Dan's post was about. Um, and so then Tyler, the turd decided to come and make a comment on my, on my post. And like, I was, I was busy doing blinds and shit all day long. Like I just got a notification that somebody named Tyler had posted or made a comment on it. So I just went and looked at the comment real quick and noticed that it was this fucking dumbass. And I was like, oh, geez. So I just took a screenshot of it real quick and sent it to Tracy and I sent it to you guys. Yep. And, you know, and then I went back to doing blinds. Like I just, I sent it to Tracy like, oh, geez, you know, yeah, this, he's a real fucking swell guy. And, and then I think I told you guys like, you know, his comment was just like triggered much with three question yeah. marks or some shit like that. And which is ironic now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like triggered much. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, like, well, I wasn't triggered enough that I went out to find you somewhere on Facebook <laughs> just to make a comment, you know, that I found you on Facebook, scrolled through all of your posts, trying to find something about me and then, and then make a comment on it, you know, like projection much. And then, yeah, just, he, he's just a turd. So, I, I went back to doing blinds and apparently there was some back and forth with uh, our friend Summer. Summer has been on the show. She she served as yeah. president of Atheists of Utah for a little while and she wasn't having any of it. Taylor had an extended conversation with him, I guess, in private message because in addition to sending, you know, to, to posting that comment, he sent me a private message that I didn't even see until much later uh, the next day because – you know, it, it, he, he sent it to me in Facebook chat and I don't have the chat thing installed on my phone. And I rarely check those messages because I get a ton of fucking messages in there. Yeah. And so like, I didn't see it until I went upstairs and sat down at my computer when it presented me with this, you know, so-and-so wants to contact you or have a conversation. If you reply to this, then you can see each other's, if, if the message was read and respond and everything. And I was just like, Oh Jesus. So that's when, and I, I went to sit down to write out a reply to him because, you know, by this time, a bunch of people had been commenting. I'd been installing blinds most of the day, had some free time and figured, okay, well, I'm going to go and squash this bug again. And that's when I sat down and saw his message to me was just something like, uh, go ahead, fuck around and find out I'm waiting yeah. on you, bud, or something like that. And and that's when I thought to myself, fuck around and find out what? That I can call you a fucking dick to your face and you'll do fucking nothing about it? 
you fucking weak ass <laughs> little punk. Like you small minded fucking turd. Not only are you going to talk shit, but then you're not going to do a fucking thing. When I call you out to your fucking face, you're going to wait. And then you're going to make a, a shitty comment on my Facebook and send me a, a message through private messaging. Oh, you're a really, <laughs> you're a really fucking tough guy. You know, and so it was just, yeah, all, all in all, he's just a fucking stupid shit who doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He likes to, he likes to put on this brave face and make people think he's this big badass. He had every fucking opportunity to do something that night and he did fucking nothing. You fucking coward and dickhead. Fuck you. I hope you're listening to this episode or that somebody tells you to listen to this episode so that I can tell you, fuck you. You're a fucking dick again. What are you going to do about it? Fuck. <laughs> and, and also, if, if you are listening to this episode, my deal still stands, Tyler. My deal <laughs> still stands. And you know what that means. <laughs> I know what that means. <laughs> yeah, Taylor's, Taylor's conversation back and forth with him was, was a thing to behold. It was, <laughs> it was pretty fucking yeah. glorious. Like, I loved your little, your little conclusion toward the end where it's like, now, I hope you've learned here that what, you know, the things you're saying don't fucking bother me. They bother you because you're a small minded bigot. They don't bother me. So you've just really been wasting time and exposing kind of maybe the tendencies that you're harboring and trying to, yeah. trying yeah. to deny. Yeah. 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 It was, it was wonderful. I, I, so you sent me screenshots of your conversation. I showed them to Tracy and she's just like, oh my God, that was wonderful. That was just perfect. It was so amazing. Taylor's a badass. I just, I just, I just, I love I, it when someone goes in to defend the LGBT community and the homophobe's response is, you homosexual, you gay. It's like, <laughs> you realize we don't have a problem with right, that community. Right. Yeah. So calling me gay isn't an insult you <laughs> ten fingered man like fuck you <laughs> yeah like what a stupid waste of of everybody's time like it was it was kind of fun seeing everybody interact with him and just like how deeply homophobic and transphobic oh, yeah. and shitty a person he really is like <sighs> i i would bet a hundred dollars i would bet a thousand dollars that Home Slice is harboring some deep-seated insecurities <laughs> about his own sexuality, and it's projecting those outside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like Republican senators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got a white yeah. stance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, he was oh. tapping his toe under the bathroom stall to a beat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not now gay. I have never been gay. And mm-hmm. Haggard is definitely heterosexual. <laughs> <laughs> Methinks you doth protest too much. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was. Uh, I thought it was funny. Like, what an ignorant little shit. And yeah, like I just I couldn't get over like not only how he reacted to that, and, and you know all of the projection going on there, and then all of the obviously like harboring and and trying to push down some of the tendencies that he may have. And that he thinks that's an insult for anybody. Like what a small minded fucking Mm -hmm. dummy. And yeah, yeah. yeah, just just, he's, he's probably been made to feel bad about how he feels. And so he thinks everyone else should feel bad about the way that they feel. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's fucking 
101 projection. Like it's it's almost sad. Like I almost feel bad for him, except for the fact that he causes harm to others. Yeah. Well, that's almost exactly what I told Tracy last night. We were talking about it a little bit because, you know, she she and I, well, she she typed up this long response um, and, and this long thing that she posted in the family chat that we have going on. And, you know, basically just let everybody know that this isn't the first time something you know, that we've heard members of the family or people that other members of the family have brought around say shit like this and that we're not going to put up with that anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she sent it to me and like her, her first draft was, was really biting and, you know, like would have turned people off within the first couple sentences. And so I helped her soften it a little bit and, you know, we, we did some editing back and forth. And so it was, you know, like this is, this is from both of us that she posted out in our family chat and, you know, and this is after, you know, it took her a couple days to write it and then some editing back and forth. And then she just sat on it for a day to make sure that this is, you know, she didn't, she didn't want to act just out of pure emotion on this and wanted to think about it for a while. Mm-hmm. So she ended up posting it and then her brother um, took, I think a day, maybe a day and a half to respond. And his reply, he's a peacemaker. And, but he said some things in his reply that I lost a whole fucking lot of respect for him. And that's unfortunate. Uh, and we've, he, he wants to have a conversation with us and Tracy's just not ready to have a conversation yet, especially after some of the things that he put in his comments in reply. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe I'll talk about those in the future, but I don't, I don't, I didn't want to do that now until we've had a chance to actually speak with him. But his, his response was pretty disheartening and, and I don't know, upsetting. Just, I'm horribly disappointed. And like I said, I lost a ton of respect for him because of the way he handled it and his reply. But maybe I didn't understand exactly what he was trying to get across. Maybe he didn't you know, word things exactly correctly. And so I'd like, I'd like to eventually have a conversation with him, but she's not ready to do that yet. And I don't want to make things worse. So I'm just, I'm waiting until she's ready and then we'll, we'll have an actual chat with him and and see how that goes. But as it stands now, like Tracy's just like, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to host any of the, any of them over here. And, you know, I want to make sure that, well, and in her message that she posted, she made made it clear that, you know, our home is a safe space for our children and we, and we intend to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of the comments that have, that have flown around in the presence of, you know, not only my children, but other children in the family, other family members, hell, you don't, that's like the whole thing that she tried to impress upon them in the message is the things that you say can affect people in ways that you can't even fucking imagine because you haven't taken a moment to think about how this could be perceived by somebody who is a member of the community you're denigrating, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it goes back to the, th- the shit that my dad would say around the kids on the time when he'd bash on gay people or, you know, make, make stupid homophobic transphobic comments that I finally called him out for and said, and, and then that, he didn't take responsibility for the harms that he had caused and the pain that he had inflicted on his own fucking grandchildren rather than take responsibility for that, own up to it and apologize and work to be a better human being. I was disowned and disinherited. And she's yeah. like, you know, made that, she made that part of the post that she put 
out to the family just to impress upon them that, you know, of course we're going to speak out about this. We're not going to put up with it anymore. And of course Dan is going to say something to some random fucking dickhead that he doesn't know from Adam who is saying shit, denigrating members of our family, you know, picking on and bullying members of our family. And the fact that nobody else in the fucking family stood up and said anything is horribly disappointing. And then the, the message that we got back trying to cover for that and smooth it over was doubly disappointing because it showed a real lack of moral character and leadership. And that I just, like I say, horribly disappointed and lost a lot of respect, but I am waiting to have a conversation to make my final assessment <laughs> on all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have a bunch of fun stuff coming up about Christian nationalism in the rest of the episode. We'll be, we'll be talking about what today, Mr. Mr. Green. Uh, well, um, today I'm basically just copying another podcaster's format and talking about some <laughs> terrible people in history. Um, <laughs> I am going to be drawing a line, um, from the civil war time period to the modern day and show the linkage of modern Christian nationalist thought, um, Going back, going back to basically defenses of slavery. Um, and we are going to do that on the other side of a break. Cool beans. This is Dr. Hector Garcia, author of Alpha God and Sex, Power, and Partisanship, and you are listening to Godless Revolution. Bart, we're here to bring you back to the one true faith, the Western branch of American Reform Presbyterianism. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. And welcome back. Uh, we've spent the last couple of episodes talking about what Christian nationalism isn't, or at least providing some counter arguments to Christian nationalist myths about the origin of America. But despite their mythical claims, starting at the America's founding, the movement of Christian nationalism itself has its origin predominantly in the Civil War. Mm. Today, I'm going to be standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, specifically, I'll be primarily relying on the incredible research of Catherine Stewart, uh, especially from her book, The Power Worshippers. We've talked about this book a few times in the past. Um, if you are so inclined, um, read chapter five and six of that book. And um, then don't attack me for damn near plagiarism. <laughs> um, it's, it's just fantastic. Um, and I'll also be relying on a few other authors, journalists, etc. cetera. Um, I'm hoping that by the end of this episode, you're going to be sitting back in your chair or car seat thinking, what the actual fuck? <laughs> so have you guys heard of a guy named Robert Louis Dabney? Uh, no, the only person named Dabney I can think of is Dabney Coleman. And I think he died quite a while ago, didn't he? I don't you know. You guys who don't that even is, know who that is. So it's we're even. Yeah, it, I know the name Danbury. So Dabney Danbury. Coleman was in Nine to Five with Dolly Parton, and yeah, he was he was the bad boss. I'm, anyway, you guys probably haven't even seen that movie. I'm too millennial for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, All right, Dan's old. Fair fine, I get it. Fan. <laughs> so Dabney was a Presbyterian minister uh, who was born in Virginia in 1820. Um, and he was described by those close to him as the most godly man they had ever met. Uh, Dabney loved him some Jesus. 
<laughs> in the antebellum uh, or before the Civil War for our non-American listeners, um, he got by writing and preaching. Uh, he believed that whites were oppressed into funding, quote, the pretend education of brats of black paupers. Mm. Wow. Yes. Oh, by the way, like, I'm not going to drop an N-bomb, but I will be quoting this guy as close as possible. So there will be some words that people don't use anymore. Um, I'm not going to use any words that I feel uncomfortable using as a white man, but... <laughs> Like slight content warning for basically this whole episode. Um, yeah, I'm also surprised that blacks were allowed to be educated at that time, especially in the South. Yeah. Um, and, and most of the time that Dabney was writing, he seemed to be criticizing people from the North. Okay. Um, and using that outgroup attack as a way to unify his in group. Okay. Um, is kind of what I've taken from reading about his writing and reading some of his writing. Like in us in the South are doing it right. And we're not giving any of them blacks yep. an education yep. while up there, even a poor black kid can get an education. Mm -hmm. And it's a waste of their money because clearly yeah. you can't educate a black kid with okay. something he would say. Yeah. Well, and so this um, most godly man, you know, figured that God had made a mistake when he made black people or he just didn't view black people as fully human is that well, it? so yeah, I mean that's the thing. We'll we'll get into that a little bit later on, but he he definitely believed in in the institution of slavery as being divinely inspired. Oh, um and and that there is a pecking order of people on the planet. Yeah. And and we will get into that. Okay. Um yeah, for now, um one of the other things that he would attack is um what he called infidel science of geology and evolution. <laughs> um, so geology was an attack on young earth creationism and the flood myth. Um, while evolution was an attack on the idea of God having created all of the species exactly as they were today. Right. Mm. Or in 1830 when he was writing this. Uh. Yeah. 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 The evil geology and evolution. Um, he I think also you mean hated evolution. Yeah, yeah. He he also um hated democracy and and would colloquially call it mobocracy in his in his sermons. So uh cool and good. Very cool and good. Um <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> after after the Civil War broke out, he found new things to get angry about. Um he started preaching more about slavery. Um, not against slavery, just more about slavery. Jeez. Um he believed that slavery was righteous. And, quote, opposing slavery was tantamount to opposing Christianity. Uh-huh. He, uh, he joined a statement by the Southern Presbyterian Church and said, quote, we hesitate not to affirm that it is the peculiar mission of the Southern Church to conserve the institution of slavery and to make it a blessing both to master and slave. Um, so if you are one of those folks who likes to believe that the civil war was about like Southern states, like economies or their rights or anything like that. Here's my regular reminder for you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, was it the lost cause fallacy? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Lost cause is bullshit. <laughs> so, um, when the war ended, ended, uh, Dabney argued against the quote, Pagan Yankee theory of public education. There you go, Dan. 
um, and said that it was, quote, (laughs) connected by regular logical sequence with legalized prostitution and the disillusion of the conjugal tie. He also believed that women's rights would, quote, destroy Christianity and civilization and that women are consigned to social subordination on the grounds of their sex. On slavery, he continued well after, like, Decades after the Civil War, saying that the relation of master and bondsman was sanctified by the administration of a divine sacrament. Well, and, you know, I mean, I would imagine that for him, this makes perfect sense because the Bible is rife with instructions on how to keep and maintain your slaves. It doesn't say to not own people. It tells you this is Mm -hmm. how you need to own people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Bible's all about keeping some slaves, yeah. Old and New Testament. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm going to drop a couple quotes on that later on. Yeah. In in the Bible, though, it's it's not saying that black people are slaves. It doesn't div- d- divide it by race. It kind of divides it by like outgroups, by nations. Like, yeah. You are a Christian, or you're not part of our nation. If you're not part of our nation, you can be a slave, or yeah. or people captured in war. Was, yeah. Was oftentimes, the tradition in that area. The thing is, is that um despite the fact that he would have seen the Greeks as um, like heretical and infidels, um, Aristotelian um, philosophy was pretty suffuse with people in the deep South. And it's what eventually led to a lot of like the phrenology kind of bullshit. And so they believed that there was a stratification of society, right? That there were like basically echelons of like, which races were better than others. Um, Like, the dialogue or nah, more like a monologue that happened in um, Django uh, mm-hmm. that Leo DiCaprio gets into mm-hmm. when he pulls out the skull. Mm-hmm. That's not out of nowhere. Right. That's that's the kind of thing that somebody during that time period might have espoused. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it's this blending of of this idea of like stratification of races with the Christian you know, concept of of what is ethical in their opinion, slavery. Yeah. Um, so eventually, thankfully, Dabney died. Um, and <laughs> I hope so. I hope he's dead. Right. right? Yeah. No, no immortal Christian 18, nationalists. 1820. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so enter Rousseau's, uh, Rousseau's, I, I don't know. I've only ever seen it written down and I didn't like seek out a YouTube video of somebody saying his name. Um, Rousseau's John Rushdini. We're going to call him Rushdini. Uh, he was the son of an Armenian immigrant, uh, and his family narrowly escaped the Turkish genocide in like 1917. Um, however, religious oppression didn't seem to pass the right lesson to Rush, who in 1997, um, cause he lived a long fucking time, um, said that there was no neutral ground between Islam and Christianity. I came to realize there is no neutral ground anywhere, he said. Uh, a man before his time, for sure. <laughs> um, really early on that hating Islam train, because like there were a lot of Christians who had no problem with Islam, you know, for quite a while. Like between the end of the Crusades and like the 1950s, there was very little beef between the religions, as as far as I've seen, at least in the West. Um, well, and so it, it all it all seems to depend on you know, how easily they can identify somebody else that they can have a larger disagreement with, right? Like, if yeah. atheists weren't around, Christians and and Muslims and Jews would be picking on each other more often. And then mm-hmm. even within those 
particular societies or religious traditions, they still have their own disagreements and thinking that each other is wrong and that their, you know, preferred version of whatever religion they happen to believe in is the correct one. Right. It's oh, just yeah. and, they have a larger a, enemy. Yep. And it's a racial thing, too. Um, I've been listening to this fantastic miniseries by the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center um, called Baseless. Um, and they they got a hold of a whole bunch of audio um, uh, that the base, a, a terrorist organization, a white supremacist terrorist organization had. And they were listening to like re- recruitment calls and stuff like that. And one of the things that they would do is have potential recruits take a 23andMe test and then mm. submit their results to determine like what their <laughs> ethnic blend was. And there was one guy who was applying and they're like, well, we're not sure you might have a little bit too much like Slavic in you to qualify. <laughs> it's oh, like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're too Polish to be a, a Nazi. Got it. Like, <laughs> Jeez. but that's what they do. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as they've eliminated one basis on which to discriminate, they, they jump right into another one. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rush Dooney, um, believed that America was becoming like Turkey, uh, which says a lot of things actually, because Turkey was secularizing a lot right as he was coming of age. Hmm. Um, and I'm sure he disagreed with that too. Um, he studied at Berkeley and became just pissed at liberal society. Um, in order to get better at studying literature, he was directed to read the classics, including people like Shakespeare and Homer. And afterwards, he called the books, quote, humanistic garbage <laughs> and classics of depravity, classics of degenerate cultures. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. yeah. He he seemed like a happy guy. Um, <laughs> so even though he rejected people like Homer and Shakespeare, he glommed on to Dabney for some reason. Uh, Dabney's defense of slavery did not deter him. Um, and Rush Dooney would call the loss of the Confederate rebels a defeat for Christian orthodoxy. Uh, Dabney's vision of slavery as biblically endowed informed Rush Dooney's vision of America as a development of Christian feudalism. Um, and he believed that the first Amer- amendment guaranteed not freedom from religion, but freedom of religion, ensuring that no one version of Christianity would be enshrined above another version, but that the government was supposed to pave a way for a Christian order. What? I, I've never understood oh. how anybody can be that fucking naive or stupid to believe that. I mean, in order to have the freedom of religion, you need freedom from religion as yeah. well. The two go hand in hand. You can't you can't have true religious freedom unless you're free to not have religion as well. Well, but say so they, they don't actually want freedom like that's that's really the thing is, is like mm-hmm. they're not willing to go full mask off. But at the end of the day, they want the right to burn people at the stake for yeah. not believing what they believe. Mm-hmm. And they'll call it freedom. But we know they mean the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. So he wrote this this. So the first book of the series was called The Institutes of Biblical Law, and then he ended up turning that into a three-part book series manifesto that was also called The Institutes of Biblical Law. Um, and in hmm. that manifesto, he wrote primi- primarily against what he called the heresy of democracy. Um, and among his arguments in that series of books was that, quote, the move from Africa to America was a vast increase of freedom for the Negro, materially and spiritually, as well as personally. 
And he also wrote that some people are by nature slaves and will always be so. The law requires that a slave recognize his position and accept it with grace. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, wow. I was more pissed off at the first half. Then he read the second half. And I don't know where to be more pissed off. <laughs> I'm like, yes. First of all, like becoming a slave does not make you freer yeah it doesn't vastly like, increase your amount of freedom for sure yeah, you <laughs> you've been kidnapped thrown right, onto a right. boat and forced to work until you fucking die versus living peacefully among your fucking tribes in africa well and and so so like one of the things to keep in context with this like you're right he's a bastard yeah. One of the things to keep in context with this, especially during the time period that he would have written this, is that it was still the belief of most people in like European and Western society that because of the lack of what we call civilization, right? Because people tend to work in small tribal units, right? With just agreements and still some, you know, remaining nomadism and that kind of thing. They were perceived as living as like animals, right? Um, and that's not me saying that that's how yeah. they would describe their living. And so merely by being moved to a place where you were adjacent to what they would call civilization would have been a, an improvement. Mm. So I want to make a brief aside here because if you're like me and especially if you're like me, as I was like five or 10 years ago, you're, you're listening to this podcast. So you're probably not religious, right? It's possible that you've given this to like, you know, uh, your uncle Ralph and, and hoping that he can understand like a little Fuck bit more Ralph. about the origin of, uh, well, I mean, no, uncle Ralph, if you're listening, like, I hope that this can help, you know, teach you some things that you may not have heard in your history class right around Fox news. Um, <laughs> but regardless, I know a lot of people who even after leaving religion will still defend elements of Christianity because they've fallen into this like old Testament versus new Testament thing. Right. So let's let's talk about that, right? Um, Exodus 21, 3 through 4. If a master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall belong to her master, and he, the slave, shall go out alone. That's in the Bible. That's in Exodus, right? That's very early on in the Bible. Mm. Um, and so you might be thinking to yourself, but that's the Old Testament. It doesn't count anymore. Um, let's go to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, right? New Testament, one of the apostles slaves obey your early earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Mm-hmm. There's no mincing words there. There's, there's no. no exceptions there. He is saying, worship your masters as you would worship Christ. Yeah. It's yeah. telling slaves that your master is your God. Yes. On the same fucking level. Wow. That's the Christian holy book, right? Yes, there were Christians who opposed slavery as it existed in the deep south. They were wrong. Like, they weren't wrong to oppose slavery. They were wrong to use Christianity as a basis under which Slavery could be rejected because slavery is written as an institution in every aspect of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I always hate when you hear people say, well, that was a different time. Yeah. But 
If you have a God that spans all time and all knowledge and has given you the best knowledge he can give you, he's still telling you slavery's good. Yeah. yeah. And yes. if your God can tell you not to eat shellfish, not to plant mixed, uh, mixed crops in your field, not to get tattoos, not to trim your hair, he can certainly fucking tell you to not own people, right? Yeah, like yeah. we're talking about the creator of the universe, the God of all things, the person you worship. And you're telling me that he couldn't, he couldn't tell his people at the time not to own people. That's fucking bizarre and stupid. You should be ashamed yeah. for making arguments like that because they're terrible. I mean, yeah. I never read anywhere in the Bible where God said, I created you a lower class of man to do your bidding. Yeah. I mean, kind of. Yeah, actually he did. He just called it woman. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. That is. That was like chapter two. (laughs) Actually, I think that was well after you get all after all the begotten's. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, you are correct. It is pretty early on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Yes. I stand corrected on that one. (laughs) Sorry, man. Yeah, you're right. So, (laughs) so I think this is a good spot for us to take a quick break, and when we get back, I'm going to continue on with Rush Dooney and then his uh, still living contemporary. This is Dr. Dan, Matt's boss from the Two Skeptical Chaps podcast, and you are listening to The Godless Revolution. Oh shit, did I say rev- I mean revolution. Bloody Americans fucking up the language. You can edit that, right Spike? Look, you can either accept science and face reality, or you can believe in angels and live in a childish dream world. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! Hey, uh, welcome back. That break went not about went, as long as they normally go. Yeah, it went well. It was. It, we, it seemed uh, much shorter. many world problems. <laughs> yep. It seemed uh, much shorter world than... Hunger will tell no one. Yeah, it seemed a lot yep. shorter than some of our more recent breaks in between yeah. segments, but yeah. No, so um, when we left you, uh, we were talking about how the Bible definitely stands uh, slavery. Yes. Um, big, big pro-slavery book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're going to continue on talking about our buddy Rush Juni. Um, yeah. After the Civil War ended, um, the institution of slavery as the South knew it um, ended... Uh, I mean, arguably, it shifted the whip from the hand of the plantation owner to the prison warden because of the 13th Amendment. But uh, notionally, slavery was over, and so was the Confederate way of life. Um, Reactionaries started to call the shift towards liberty and liberalism a social gospel. So real quick, just so that everybody in the listening audience who may not know, what, what do you mean by the, you know, Shifting, shifting from the plantation owner to the prison warden per the 13th Amendment, which was oh. a great movie, and I recommend everybody go out and check it out. Yeah, so the 13th Amendment of the Constitution um, is the amendment in America that prohibited slavery, um, yada, 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 subsection A, B, and C, except in uh, one case, prisoners. Um, it is constitutionally acceptable to commit prisoners in the United States to slave labor. Um, and gang. we do a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there, there is a pretty solid chance. If you have a product that say that says made in America, that that product was made by prisoners mm-hmm. who are functionally slaves. 
Um, so it's not necessarily the ethical alternative to child slaves in China making your products or, you know, sweatshop but workers in Pakistan they, doing it. They get the same wage, about 10 cents yeah, yeah. an hour. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's a thing. That's that's a thing that exists in America. We still haven't dealt with that. It's part of why I think that private prisons are like the worst idea since Agent Orange. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's a thing. Uh, we have that here, but it's great. We have freedom. Um, Star Spangled Freedom. Um, <laughs> so so the social gospel um, intensified after the New Deal. Um, it had been the case up until that, that if you needed any sort of like social support, you either had to reach out to your family or you had to reach out to your church. Um, clearly this didn't work during the great depression. Um, I don't remember hearing any stories of churches miraculously keeping people in their homes when they were made suddenly bankrupt due to, uh, the great depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, or I tend to remember pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so the New Deal created a whole bunch of social support programs, and a lot of religious people felt that that threatened the role of religion as being the thing that, like, helped people through tragedy um, and, you know, kept them in control by dangling that financial support. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and, and we see the LDS church doing that all the fucking time. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I've, they have, yeah. you know, they have, they've got the Bishop's Storehouse, which is ostensibly used as welfare for Late church labor. members. Oh. Yeah, well, the the bishop's storehouse is, you know, ostensibly a, a collection of goods and materials, usually food, um, that provides welfare to parishioners within the LDS church. But you also have to suck some heavy dick in order to get that stuff, If, especially yep. if you're not a regular church attendance. Like if you're yeah. loosely affiliated with the church and, and fall on hard times and the Relief Society or missionaries or the bishop or whoever comes to you and says, how are you doing? How are things going? You have to really, really double down on church attendance and paying your tithing. Even though you're fucking broke, you can't afford food by yourself. You still have to pay tithing in order to get access to those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or or the catch-22 of it, you have to work more to be able to afford stuff, but they also will say, we'll give you some food, but you have to come volunteer your time for fucking free mm-hmm. in the in that same place, stocking shelves, giving food out. It's like, you, this person doesn't have the fucking time to do that. Yeah. yeah. They're trying to live. <laughs> yes. Well, and we could do and should do sometime an entire episode on the various ways that the Mormon religion sucks up people's time. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, that is neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> yeah, we won't let us suck up time here. I Yeah. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, I can't really link the Mormons to Rush Uni. Um, no. So here's the thing. Um, there's a whole ass movement that happened um, in the time period between the New Deal and the Southern Strategy. It's this long story of how corporate interests um, and religions started getting together. Um, It could be a multi-part series all on its own. There have been multiple books written on this subject. Um, What's important for you, dear listener, to know is that corporations started getting pissed at the regulation, social safety nets, and union membership that came out of the New Deal time period. The Southern religions saw their way of life crumbling with the gradual liberation of black Americans and the new importance of science and government. 
and science in government. Um, so corporate and religious interests started to get together and they invented supply side Jesus. Um, <laughs> supply side Jesus. <laughs> abortion, I like that. evolution, communism, and interracial marriage, as well as desegregated schooling, became the klaxon call that drove conservatives, especially Southerners, to the polls, which led to the Southern strategy realignment that is – Democrats in the South, Dixiecrats becoming Republicans, and da 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 da. Eventually, the Reagan administration. Gross. It's a whole ass thing. I mean, it's a long ass that we could dedicate five or six episodes just talking about that social movement. And to be honest, I'm not qualified to do it. Yeah. Um, but there are some fantastic books out there. Um, I don't have them off the top of my head because it's like two steps removed from the fields that I normally study, but it's something I'm very interested in. So if I do come up with those books, I'll post them to our Facebook group. Um, it's just, it's a lot of stuff, man. It's a, it's a lot of stuff. Um, Jane Myers, dark money kind of gets into it, mm. but it's, it's not my thing. Mm. So what is my thing is shitty Christian nationalists. Um, <laughs> Rush Dooney, one of those um, during this time period, of of that new deal to southern strategy time period lamented against the nihilism of integrated schooling he called the education of the negro pupils an endeavor doomed to fail and a waste of resources better spent on white children Oof. um this guy is literally an armenian survivor of the turkish genocide like i want you to think about that like just remember you that should have sympathy. right yeah um, one of Rush Dooney's associates, Gary North, um, would go on to make this same argument to Ron Paul, and the two would develop Ron Paul's curriculum for homeschooling, or as some listeners might know it, the reason why that one guy you know says the Fed is a Ponzi scheme and that black <laughs> Americans ought to have been gradually liberated so as not to destroy the Confederate economy. <laughs> fuck Ron Paul, fuck Rand Paul, fuck the, the Paul family, fuck Ayn Rand, all of that libertarian fucking nonsense man yeah um by the way just have a fun google sometime right just just google ron paul and richard spencer and look at the first oh. image result have fun <laughs> yeah have fun yeah and, um, and that's, ron that's paul and rand paul both have the temerity to say that neither of them are racist like holy yeah. nah. shit nah i want to buy Rand Paul's neighbor a beer, and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> um, so, while North didn't invent the term, he helped popularize the idea religious liberty as a Trojan horse to enforce Christian supremacy. Just like states' rights were states' rights to segregate, and law and order is merely opposition to black Americans protesting for equal rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Enter. one of those oh, that's one ahead. of those code phrases, law and order. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm um, a law and order candidate which which roughly translates to I'm going to do everything I can to suppress the black vote and voice. Correct. Yes. Um and oh shit, who was who was um Ronald Reagan's advisor? Ronald Reagan had an advisor. He also worked with Nixon. Um, and he has this quote, which I'm going to paraphrase. And he said, you can't go around anymore saying N-word, N-word, N-word. Uh, it's not acceptable. So instead, you talk about states' rights and law and order, and they know what you're talking about. And they go along with it. And it's easier than saying N-word, N-word, N-word. Um, but it gets the job done, right, is is a rough quote of what this guy said. He's a, he's a shitbag, too. 
But that those two terms, states' rights and law and order, were deliberately crafted to appeal to anti-black sentiment. Yeah, I think that um, was that was Lee Atwater, wasn't it? That's the one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, so now we're going to move on to friend of the show, Dave Bart. Um, <laughs> he does love us. <laughs> uh, he is going to be the next and for today, the final link in this chain. Uh, Barton. So, OK, I learned this great uh, phrase. If you haven't heard of the podcast, what the fup? It is fantastic. Um, it's it's a couple of podcasters, um, one of whom is uh, Dr. Lindsay Osterman. She does the. Um, oh, shit. What's that show? It used to be atheistically speaking. Now it's um, serious opening inquiries arguments only. and serious. Yeah. yeah serious yeah, yeah. inquiries only. With, with so, Thomas. Yeah. so her She's and a awesome. physicist. She yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. So her and a physicist talk about like fucked up paradigms is what they what they call it. Um, and they came up with a term in one of their more recent episodes called smart washing, which is basically when people take unscientific or disingenuous positions paraded as fact and create the illusion of academic rigor supporting them. Um, and Barton is the chief smart washer of the Christian nationalist movement. Mm. He produces just a litany of cherry picked and outright baseless claims about the founding fathers launders them into the mainstream Republican and Christian circles as fact. This in turn allows Christian nationalists to cite him as a source when making historical claims about the myth of American Christianity, and it lends them legitimacy. It's a shell game, but I've got a dad with a mental level IQ, and he believes that shit. So it's a shell game that works. <laughs> uh, I j- how do you... That well, I I, I was going to sidetrack us by asking how you get people out of that particular mindset. Clearly, none of if us have worked knew. that out. <laughs> <laughs> if I knew, I'd have already done it. Yeah. Um. That is that. Like I've got the opposite of the Ben Franklin and his son situation going on right now. Um. <laughs> for those of you who deep dive into founding father stories, um. So Barton had to start as a math teacher. Uh, he graduated with his bachelor's degree in Christian education from Oral Roberts University, which mm. is to say he has no education. <laughs> yeah. um, his rise to Christian fame started with his attempt to link a decrease in SAT scores to a pair of Supreme Court cases that removed prayer from schools and also oh, Bible geez. studies. Um, he's totally uninterested in the fact that at the same time, uh, desegregation was going on and expansions to public schooling took place that allowed disadvantaged students who previously couldn't go to school go to school and obviously those students without a you know deep background in education were doing more poorly on tests but no it's got to be the bible study and prayer thing uh to our buddy barton Mm. so he also attacked a guy named horace mann who uh is considered the father of public education uh horace mann was a unitarian and he believed that sectarianism and schooling was a bad thing um there were actual literal like fights between Catholics and Baptists at public schools in like the late 1800s. And and when I say fights, I don't mean like pe- verbal altercations. I mean, people died. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, it was a whole ass thing. So when the public education system was being developed, there was a pretty strong impetus um, to remove the religious aspects from it. So as to prevent like people literally killing each other over like Catholic kids being taught Baptist shit and vice versa. Um, so anyway, David Barton was deeply inspired by Rush Dooney and didn't shy away from his perspective on slavery. At one point, Barton claimed, quote, to attach themselves voluntarily to a capable man and serve him protected by the law is thus a legitimate way of life, although a lesser one. Uh, Yeah, just a little bit, maybe. 
Yep, that's that's David Barton. He was writing this in the 90s. Mm. Um, he also was clearly inspired by Rush Dooney's hatred of public school. Um, now I want to impress upon you how embedded Barton is in the Christian nationalist arm of the conservative movement and how zealously they support him. Mike Huckabee, former Republican presidential can- candidate and strident evangelist, once said, quote, and, and listen to this one. I almost wish there would be a simultaneous telecast and all Americans would be forced, forced at gunpoint, no less, to listen to every David Barton message. That's wow. a direct quote. That's a direct quote. Mm, nice. Fuck Mike Huckabee. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we've been yeah. saying fuck Mike Huckabee for a long time, but really <laughs> fuck him now. Yeah. Uh, former Kansas uh, Governor Sam Brownback. And Mike Pence have also repeated Barton talking points. Well, of course they have because he plays for their team. Yeah, yeah, he is their smart uh, uh, fucking watcher. He's he's their fucking idea launderer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he's he's he is the uh, Christian equivalent of like a uh, Ben Shapiro. <laughs> yeah, or or like, and actually, that's what they were talking about that other podcast when they talked about the smart washing thing is how like. Folks like Sam Harris will make more legitimate things like the bell curve. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, listeners, yeah. listeners can't see me, but I'm very much nodding my head in agreement with <laughs> yeah. this. Like I have been so horribly disappointed in Sam Harris's slide into fucking dipshittery lately. Like, the, the trans I think nonsense it's worth an episode sometime, man. Like, oh, yeah. I really do. Yeah. The trans Later nonsense, on. the Douglas Murray and yeah, all of that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, blah, blah. Where was I? Um, Barton has published a litany of ahistorical books, but is probably most famous for his caricature of Thomas Jefferson. We've talked about this a couple times mm-hmm. now. Um, he has claimed, uh, Barton has, that the wall of separation was meant to be a one-way wall that protected the church from the state, um, <laughs> but not the other way around, which is just a profoundly stupid misunderstanding of how walls work. <laughs> yeah. It's more of a force field than a wall. <laughs> yeah, it's like the big purple thing that the Gungans had in episode one. Yeah. The best Star Wars movie, of course. Um, <laughs> we're going to lose all of our Patreon supporters now. Um, <laughs> I quit. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Got my own podcast. Um, so, <laughs> um, from Dabney during the Civil War to Rush Dooney to Barton, Christian nationalism is a long chain that finds its origins in the lost cause of the Confederates. The in many ways, the reactionaryism of Christian nationalism reminds me of the philosophers that came out of and around European fascism, especially Heidegger and Julius Evola. I'm not fully qualified to make like a complete thesis here um, because I need to do a lot more historical and philosophical reading. Um, but I want to gently make an argument that the Confederacy kind of looks like the first modern fascist government. Um, and at the very least, I think we can see some pretty clear lines between lost cause writings and post fascist literature. And I'm not the only one who thinks so. Um, when it was under attack following the January 6th insurrection, Gab, the social media website that your uncle said that he was going to join, um, posted <laughs> two items and only two items 
under the heading social reconstruction. Mm. One of those was a photo of Rush Dooney. The other was a paragraph written by Julius Evola. Now, Rush Dooney's foundation, the Chasseldon, has tried to distance itself. Um, Evola, actually, you probably don't know who he is. I don't know if I've spoken about him on the show. I this guy know. is is both Alexander Dugan and um, uh, Steve Bannon's, like, lodestone. Um, he was a, a post-fascist philosopher who basically continued the line of fascist thinking into this sort of, like, pagan, like, will-to-power sort of philosophy. Um, and did a lot of his writing in like the 40s and 50s. Um, Rush Dooney's foundation, the Chasseldon, tried to distance itself from that comparison after a uh, Guardian article covered Gab posting the two together. Um, and it kind of makes sense because Evola himself hated Christianity. Um, but I took the liberty to go looking around some fascist trad or traditional websites and have found multiple, multiple essays that put the writings of Julius Evola and Rush Dooney together, oftentimes hmm. citing both men in the same paragraph. Wow. Christian nationalists might be trying to distance themselves, but mask off fascists see Rush Dooney and Evola as fellow travelers. Mm. Hmm. So, now, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, I do know, I mean, I've looked into the lost cause a bit, mm -hmm. like the poet, like, and to me, the lost gods kind of seem like them, like a lot of religious people trying to rewrite history a little bit, mm -hmm. kind of say, oh, no, we weren't fighting over slavery. It was a state's rights issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like in the post-fascist literature, did they ever try to say, oh, it wasn't about, you know, killing the Jews and an Aryan race? Yeah. Um. You'll. So there are two two lines of dialogue that come to mind immediately. One of them is the um, like Holocaust denial thing where okay. they'll basically say like 6 million Jews didn't die, but it would be nice if they'd had. Okay. Um, is, is one thing that they'll say. Um, and then another one is uh, there's a lot of white nationalists today who will argue that they're not in favor uh, they will say that they are not in favor of white supremacy, but that they think that nations should be unified by race. And so they don't want to, like, say, exterminate black folks or Jews, but that they should just, just go give them their elsewhere. own place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which um, is and, bullshit. And it's absolutely bullshit. It's it's laundering of their ideas to make them more palatable to people so that they can recruit okay. into their movement. Um, but those are two ways in which, yeah, post fascists will. Okay. You know, try to engage now, in some revisionism. Yeah. Now, now, now I'm picking because I've heard of all that stuff before too. And that's where I was kind of thinking. I'm like, the post fascism revisionist yeah. history side of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. So, so in our next few episodes, um, probably two, maybe three, um, depending on how much we try to cram into next week's episode. Um, we're going to be talking about the links between the many organizations that Rush Dooney and ba uh, Barton founded. Um, and the candidacy of Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, um, their allegiance with people like Betsy DeVos and Fuck the her. groups that they have uh, funded. Um, and I'm hoping that over the course of these episodes, we can show you that Christian nationalism is American fascism, that it can and is happening here. It's wrapped in a flag and it's carrying across. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, I despair over so much of what has happened just within the last six years. Yeah. But I mean, it's yeah. it's been a long fucking time coming. I think mm-hmm. I think Nixon kicked the door down, Reagan yeah. propped it open, <laughs> and yeah. and Trump walked on through. Like it's yeah. And 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 I mean, I've I've seen a steady progression over the last forty years of right wing dummies just happily going along with not not only happily going along with, but clamoring to become you know, turning into, turning America into a Christian nationalist state where if you're not white, you're not Christian, you're not welcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, um, other podcasts we listen to, um, there is a, I want to say two-parter, um, by behind the bastards where they talk about the time that Hitler spent in between the beer hall pooch and ascending to power. And I think that that is incredibly relevant to what we're going through now since January 6th and moving towards the 2024 election. Um, and so I would definitely point you in the direction of that as well, because, uh, the host of that show creates a really cogent, like, like uh, Hitler tried to stage a pooch and he didn't just stand on a table. Right. And say Germany is ours. He had people positioned throughout Germany mm-hmm. with the intent of taking over the mechanisms of government. And it's basically because his people were lazy that he failed. Um, and when he spent his time in prison, it was not like the way that you and I think of prison. It wasn't federal pound me in the ass prison. It was basically a mountain retreat. And the people who were in that prison had the freedom to walk around and talk to each other and write literature and and it was like a vacation for him. And so when I mean, he came out, Mein Kampf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he wrote that in coordination with other people who were also in that prison for, you know, Nazi shit. So, you know, it's it's important to know that even though things are better now under Biden, um, the right, like, figuratively speaking, is writing their Mein Kampf right now. Mm-hmm. Um. And we need to think that, you know, we need to, we need to treat that appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that I can show you that like you probably aren't concerned enough about these anti-trans bills, these anti-voting bills, um, about Christian nationalists really going full mask off because the next step is them not being afraid that they've taken off their mask. Well, and we've already seen, you know, at, at, at the very least, I would call it a subtle. Uh, indication of their line of thinking along along these lines when we have you know our our wonderful state senator mr mike lee saying that america is not a democracy you know they're Mm -hmm. they're already pushing and prodding around those edges to Mm -hmm. move us into a theocracy and fascism yeah yeah so that's what i've got for this week um next week we're going to be predominantly talking about project blitz um, some of those organizations, some previous court stuff. Um, like I said, we might end up being, try, you know, trying to pack a hundred pounds of shit into a 50 pound bag. <laughs> so that might end up being, you know, a multi-parter itself. We'll have to see. Um, we'll try and cut things down, but I don't want to cheat you out of stuff if it's interesting and informative. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and then after that, we're going to be talking about, um, a current movement that I would say is, is basically the American Taliban. Um, they're here. 
and they're in the American Southwest. Um, oh, yeah. But that's that's what they got. That's that's part three of this I, I would, Christian nationalism series. I would say they're in the American West. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, because they're they've got involvement in Idaho and Oregon. You're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Well, I look forward to those episodes, and I'm sure that I will enjoy them just as much as I just as much as I have enjoyed the last three episodes that you've been that you've put together, Taylor. This is fucking awesome. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah. And if uh, you two you listeners are enjoying these episodes, give us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. I yeah, have. We definitely feed off of that. Yeah. Well, and I'm sorry. I forgot to share with you guys uh, before we started recording that I have received some feedback that, yes, uh, okay. people are very much digging these episodes and and cool. Good. taking quite a bit away from them. So, yeah, I, I will share that with you after we finish this because i forgot to do so before we started yeah since we changed our passwords i couldn't get shit on my phone (laughs) (laughs) oh i am so bad at logging into our email oh i'm sorry dan i'm the worst oh you guys are Um, fine (laughs) um before we go though i want to make sure that we thank our patreon supporters that would be two skeptical chaps alan firth don't be a richard hunter grin John McCullough, Ollie Olson, Sinead Duffy, Steve Kuno, Stephen Andrus, Tiffany Hudson, Vanessa, All Hail Peanut Butra, Andrew Vodapich, Corey Ebert, Jeff Peterson, Jeremy Goodson, Megan Mitchell, Utah Outcasts, Wesley Aaron, Freethinker215. Matthew Sanders, Chad Pryor, Janet Uter, Purple Dragon, Savita Kuna, Paul John Shart, <laughs> John Paul Shart. <laughs> <laughs> Need to change that to a new to a new joke, <laughs> um, or stop patronizing my same the show that I'm on. One of the two. <laughs> uh, Tim Jacobson, Trisha Weir. A noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. A perfectly cromulent statement. <gasps> you did it! Oh, man! Oh, that's the wrong fucking sound. That's the wrong sound. There we go. <laughs> oh, congratulations, Ryan. Thank you. Thank that's you. Amazing. It's a good week. <laughs> I forgot to get my little fucking color-coded key thing here so I would push the right button. But, yeah, that was amazing. Well done. I'm so happy. All and right. now, now Raji can change it to something else. <laughs> <laughs> something, something equally tongue twistery. Um, Ted Sellen. Sarah Segovia. And James. Thank you all very, very much. We really appreciate it. If you, dear listener, would like to become a Patreon patron, you can do so very easily by going to patreon.com slash godless revolution, where you can contribute as little as $1 per episode. And you get all kinds of fun stuff like early episodes, clips from the cutting room floor, extended outtakes, a song that I generally or usually close the episode out with, all kinds of stuff like that, and the knowledge that you are helping to keep the show going. Um, in addition, you can also, and we would very much encourage you to do so, please and thank you to rate the show wherever you are listening to it. Give us some five stars, thumbs up, all that kind of stuff. Suggest it to other people and hit us up on our various social media platforms. We're on the Twitters yeah. and the Faces book and Ooh. 
all kinds it of stuff. It would mean a lot to me as we're doing this mini series. If you would find ways to share that on your social media, um, I think that this mini series is probably going to be a really good way for you to get your friends who might not otherwise be into what we do to be into this in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would be good for you to be able to share, you know, these things that are going on with your friends. And I think that they, you know, might, might find it an easy on-ramp to listening to our stuff. So if you'd be so kind, that would be really cool. Yeah, that would be fantastic. And the more we can get people engaged in the political process, the more we can unfuck what is going on. So yeah, I would encourage yeah. you all to do that. Have, have conversations with your people, man. Talk to your, talk to your people, talk to your friends, talk to them about politics. I know, I know, I know that so often we hear that in order to maintain friendships and relationships, you should not talk about politics or religion. And that is how things go fucking sideways mm-hmm. because and those are tired. Yeah. Okay. Those, those are the two <laughs> most important things that control the lives of people everywhere yeah. across the globe. And right. to not talk about them is really misguided. Yeah. It's, it's to, to let loose the reins of your own destiny, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's, that's what that is. Um, and I get it. We're all tired. Like Trump wore us the fuck out. Oh, but man, like yeah. while we're sitting here waiting for Joe Manchin to actually vote on legislation, the Republicans are getting ready to make 2022 or 2024 the last election uh, we ever have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So act accordingly. Yeah, as important as the election was in 2020, the upcoming ones I feel are even more important. If we let things slip, we may never get them back. And that's fucking terrifying. That's scary. <laughs> yeah. So on that cheerful note, um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening. Seriously. Um, it's been, it's been a blast doing this content for y'all. Yeah. And I really appreciate it. Thank you both very much. Uh, Dano out. I'm going to go and have some dinner now. That should be delicious. And I'm excited. Well, it's 9 a.m. somewhere. Time for a drink. <laughs> Deep cut Doritos joke. <laughs> 9 a.m. somewhere. <laughs> Time for a drink. Nice. It was just like this random passing comment in a larger conversation we were having, and, <laughs> and Ryan just happened to say, I'm a little emo bitch. <laughs> I, I, I say the it. best words. <laughs> you could have edited me in to just saying the word penis over and over again for the last, like, three episodes, and I wouldn't know. <laughs>